Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 18. In the passage just before the one that we're going to read this morning, Jesus gives his disciples a lesson in conflict management. He says to them, if somebody in the church sins against you, go talk to them. Have a one-on-one with them. If they don't listen to you, then take a couple of folks with you so that you'll have some witnesses to this conversation that you have with them. And if that doesn't work, if they still don't listen to you, take it to the whole church to resolve. And then he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. In this teaching, Jesus is telling us to listen to one another when we disagree, to recognize that everybody has value, everybody has dignity, and reminding us that when we gather here to worship or in our Sunday school class or small group or Sunday school class or the board meeting or a committee meeting, whatever we do when we gather in Jesus' name, He is present. And so the way we approach each other should be with Uh, should be genuine, should be filled with grace. Something like confrontation, if done with the wrong intent, can be done for selfish motives or even used as a weapon. So I think it's helpful for us to remember when we are gathered as we are, as God's people, gathered in Jesus' name, how would we treat each other? How would we think about each other? How would we uh, view each other if Jesus physically was sitting right there. Sort of like when the principal comes and uh, sees the teacher when you're <laughs> in school. You, you change your behavior a little bit. Now this whole, con- this whole teaching on conflict started with Jesus saying these words. If your brother or sister sins against you, and then he moved into those steps, those ways to handle that. So Peter, one of his disciples, um, wants to take that conversation a little bit further and maybe look, make himself look good in the process. So let's hear today's scripture reading and see what Peter said to Jesus. Hear these words. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. The word of God for the people of God. Hmm. Forgive them 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. That's 490 times. There's a big difference between 77 and 490. And uh, I've actually heard people have serious discussions about which one of those is right, to which I'm sure Jesus would say, stop counting. (laughs) If you're counting how many times you've forgiven someone, you've missed the point. (laughs) But I wonder about those of us who need to learn how to forgive once much less 77 times. I know in my family, holding a grudge is like a badge of honor, like who can do it the longest. Um, 
We relive the slights that have been put upon us. We, we hold on and talk about and tell stories about times that people hurt us. I have an aunt in her 80s, and she's still mad at her 8th grade teacher. <laughs> and I could tell you that story verbatim, because I've heard it so many times. And I'm going to be honest, working on this sermon about forgiveness this week made me examine myself it convicted me to do a little self-examination about forgiving somebody who hurt me very deeply in 1994 it's true I've held on to it for a while so for Jesus to tell us to forgive repeatedly it's kind of hard for me to swallow maybe it is for you too but Jesus follows this teaching up by telling a story to drive that point home and he says this is what God's kingdom is like Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I've made a shortened version for you, and it goes a little something like this. There was a king who brought in his officials to settle accounts with them, see how much they owed him. One of his officials owed him $50 million, which obviously he could not pay. So the king said that he would sell him and his family and his possessions, everything he owned, to help offset some of that debt and then throw him in prison until it was paid off. The official got down on his knees. He begged for mercy. And the king was so moved that he told him to get up. You know what? Don't worry about it. You're free to go. Debt is forgiven. Paid in full. So the official walks out with a spring in his step. Comes across a colleague who owes him $100. He grabs him by the throat and starts choking him, wanting that $100. His colleague gets on his knees, begs for mercy. I'll pay you back every penny, just as he had said to the king, but there was no mercy this time. He had his colleague thrown in jail until that $100 was paid. The other officials who saw this were dumbfounded. They were astounded. They were horrified. They told the king what happened. He called the man back in and said, You are an evil person. I showed you mercy, I forgave your debt. I set you free from prison. Don't you think you should show pity to someone as I showed you pity? And he was so angry, he put the debt back on him and ordered that he be thrown in prison and tortured until everything was paid back. Jesus then said, that is how my Father in heaven will treat you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Just think about for a second, all of your debt being gone. Just all of a sudden, wiped clean. Much less millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of debt. It's almost unimaginable. Now Jesus was exaggerating in this story. He often used exaggerations to make a point. Like he said, why do you look at the speck in your eye or in your neighbor's eye? You've got a log sticking out of yours. And he also said, if your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He obviously did not mean for us to do that. He was just making a point by using exaggeration, which is what this story is doing as well. This is a story of extravagant compassion of a king who was so moved with pity that he allowed his compassion to overrule uh, being judgmental and harsh but it's also a story about compassion denied of a saved man who turns to violence and retribution 
against someone who owes him much less than he himself has been forgiven. It's a story about advocacy, seeing a wrong and doing something about it. And it's a story of reckoning. The king in this story is enraged, reinstates the debt, sends him to be tormented until he can pay. Now, we have a tendency when we hear these stories of Jesus to assign characters. And so you may be thinking the king represents God, and that very well could be. But I believe that God is more gracious and loving than the king in this story that Jesus tells us about. I don't think God returns our debts to us or torments us. But I'll return to that in just a minute. I think this is primarily a story about relationships. How when we choose to follow Jesus, we have to treat people as if we are followers of Jesus. We have benefited from God's mercy, from God's generous mercy, and therefore are called to extend that same generous mercy to others. Jesus says that this is a vital part of following him, a vital part of our faith. He says that through him, forgiveness is like a deep pool that never runs dry. However, Jesus also taught his disciples to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Dipping from that pool of forgiveness does not mean being a doormat to the pain that other people inflict. Very often there's this expectation of forgiveness that gives people permission to behave in wrong ways. I can do this to you because I know you're going to forgive me. That's not the way it works. Just like when we confront others, it has to be done with love and with a genuine spirit. When we ask for forgiveness or grant forgiveness, it also must be done with a loving attitude and with grace. The intention has to be right because there's an element of justice in that exchange. Forgiveness does not mean embracing violence done to us. Forgiveness is a gift. It is a gift, a reflection of God's love. It is not an excuse to continue unacceptable behavior. Now, when I hear this teaching about forgiving 77 times or 70 times 7, I've always imagined somebody who kept sinning repeatedly against somebody else. But as is the case with my family, sometimes we have trouble forgiving a single offense. I've got a friend who grew up in Alabama. And both his parents were educators. And, of course, in a small town, uh, they also went to church with several people that they worked with. And his parents got crossways with the uh, guidance counselor at the school where they all worked. And they hurt her feelings, and it, it was a difficult situation. So one Sunday after a moving sermon, my friend's mother went up to that guidance counselor after church. And she said, look, I know that... Um, We've had a hard time lately, and we're sorry, and we love you. And the guidance counselor said, well, I don't love y'all. 
And that happens. We have somebody who is asking for forgiveness. And it can't be granted yet. But I hope that that guidance counselor, each time that pain arose in her spirit, tried, just tried. Because the thing is, carrying the weight of hurt and resentment when somebody has done something wrong to us is hard. It's like a literal weight that we carry around on our shoulders. It presses down upon us. And just as heavy is the guilt that we feel when we've hurt somebody else. And I think that is the torment that Jesus is referring to in this parable. Not that God will torment us but that we are tormenting ourselves by choosing to carry this heavy weight when Jesus has offered to take it from us. And so very many times we, we give it to Jesus and then we snatch it back and put it back on our shoulders because it's hard. Forgiveness is hard in both directions. To ask for forgiveness. To say those words, I was wrong. So hard to say. And to find a way to, to try to make amends and not intend to hurt that person again. And it's also hard to grant forgiveness when somebody comes and says, I'm sorry. To trust them at their word, that they're being honest with you, that they're truly sorry, that they're not going to hurt you again. It's hard work. But Jesus asks us to try 10 times, 77 times, 490 times, however many times it takes until we can finally give that burden to Jesus and let it go. Let him carry it for us without taking it back, without holding on to it, just giving it to him to carry. In this story, Jesus shows us somebody who cannot embrace a new way of life. He is stuck in the ways of the world. He can't live into the way of Christ, into the way of the kingdom of heaven. He's unwilling to comprehend it, unwilling to accept the way of forgiveness and freedom. And though we often love to latch onto that last verse where it talks about torment and all that. This is not a story about God's judgment. This is a story of someone who is unable to be forgiven because he refuses to offer forgiveness. He is chosen to carry that burden. The gospel of Jesus reminds us again and again that God loves us. That through God's grace, through the teachings of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, our sins have been forgiven. And that we have given a new path to follow. An opportunity to share that grace that God gave us. To share those teachings of Jesus. To share the power of the Holy Spirit with others. Jesus is asking us to forgive as we have been forgiven. 
even when the circumstances are complicated, as they often are. But we pray, and we try, and we pray, and we try again. And maybe bring in some friends to pray with you. Because where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he said, I am there. The scripture reminds us to be steadfast in our life with Jesus. It reminds us that forgiveness and the freedom that comes with it is possible. And maybe, just maybe, one day we will fully comprehend and embody those words that we say every week. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors again and again. Amen.